Welcome to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Our final episode on the fifth season by N.K. Jemison is here. This is this is it. You're listening to it. Get ready. Yeah. Get ready. So let's get a little let's get a little warm up going, Dan. I've got a new a new segment for us. All right. And this is gonna this is gonna rely on you a little bit, which is tough because you don't know what it is yet. I'm loving this already. I can't wait. So this is gonna be I'm gonna tentatively call this Professor Dan. Okay, a little presumptuous of you, but Yeah. I love yeah. it. So this is something that I'm gonna ask you a question about the world that I don't understand. Okay. And you and you can you can try to explain it to me a little bit. <laughs> okay. This is gonna heavily rely on me knowing anything about the thing. Yeah, so I mean I'm I think in an ideal world this is something where you just bullshit us. I get, but, I get the bit now. Okay, go. Yeah. Okay. Here's my question. When I'm somewhere that I want to memorialize, I don't do this often, but I will sometimes take a picture of a great view or an event that I'm at, like a sporting event that I'm at. So let me, I'll go specific. Let's say I'm at a basketball game and I'm in, I don't know, the 10th row. I try to take a picture. All of a sudden, it looks like I'm in the 5,000th row. So my question is, why is a camera not as not as zoomed in as my face? I see. Well, Do you know um, what I mean? Yeah. Have you experienced this phenomenon? Yeah, Luke. Thanks. First off, thanks for coming to office hours. You know, I usually sit here for an hour and no students show up. So I appreciate you coming by and asking me a question. This isn't really on the topic of the class that we're that I'm teaching, that I'm lecturing on, but, you know, let's, let's talk about it anyway. Okay, thank you. So, when you take a picture on your phone, you know, it has to go through a series of lenses, and um, when you take a picture on your phone, it's, it's only going through one, one little hole to make the picture, <laughs> right? Okay. But when you're in the 10th row, you're looking at it with one, two holes at the basketball game through your two eyeballs. So if you were to show that picture to somebody who had an eye patch, like a pirate, maybe, let's say, just as a example. Right. Then, um, you know, they would probably immediately recognize you as being in the 10th row. Okay. See, I would have, I would almost think, so let's say I buy that explanation. Well, I mean, you came to office hours, so. <laughs> so the, the, the picture's getting, getting one eye, essentially. Yeah, there's only one eye on it. So the person viewing the picture, if they have one eye, that cancels it out? They just know how to interpret one eye oh, data. okay. They're used to that. They're trained. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, and, and it's actually interesting too, because if you cover up one eye and then spend like a week going about your daily life, then all your pictures look like you're in the 10th row. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Let's say, let's say I've got tickets somewhere in the 20th row. Okay. 
to some event that I want to be, I want to get a good view of this. Yeah. Could I spend the weeks before that with an eye patch on, covering okay. up one eye? Yes. Get accustomed to one eye eyesight. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, day of the concert or whatever, take the bad boy off, and I feel like I'm in the first row. You feel like you're on the court. You feel like you could grab LeBron James' jersey and throw him down onto the court and say, LeBron, why did you join the Lakers? <laughs> I think that would work. This is br- this is genius, actually. How has nobody thought of this yet? I don't know. We sh- should we? We should. We should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop this podcast. Forget this. <laughs> let's do a let's do a self help ad- advice podcast, like a life hacks podcast. There aren't many of those Ooh, out yeah. there. Yeah. And so we'll just every week we'll come up with a new life hack and the first one that we've come up with is before a cool event that you want to go see wear an eye patch for a week yeah that's a great life hack if y'all have any other cool life hacks um tweet at us so that we can really get this podcast going we'll let you know what our we'll probably call it something like life hacked or something yeah related to that for our new show original Look for it anywhere you get your podcasts. (laughs) All right, let's jump into the book now. Speaking of looking for things that you're never going to find, how about Essen never finding her husband, huh? Oh, boy. (laughs) She didn't even get close. She has no idea where they are. No. This stone eater guy, this little stone eater boy, just led her on a wild goose chase. Yeah. I'm curious as to whether he ever actually knew. Knew. Or if he... Oh, if he was faking it the whole time or if they were actually going towards it, but he lost the scent, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, that, I don't know. I think that's a good question. I don't know where I fall on that question because I think he definitely has some other motive that we're not sure of. Right, that's kind of hinted at. Yeah, but... I don't know if that motive is counter to what Essen is trying to do. And in this episode, we're going to refer to the woman that the whole story is about by probably three different names, but they're probably going to either be Cyanite or Essen because Demaya's story kind of ended in the last section that we did. Let's just let's just take this moment to congratulate Dan on his first successful theory. (laughs) <laughs> in the first in the history of this podcast and it was and it wasn't even i don't even know if it was a theory <laughs> it was honestly mostly by accident it was mostly <laughs> i misinterpreted kind of the beginning of the book where it sounded like all these characters were the same and i thought that we just didn't get the name of one of the characters but we definitely did so well played that was a behind-the-back full-court shot, is what that was. Oh. oh. I love that you do more sports references than I do. <laughs> I just know and love the sports. You, all of them, yeah. Okay, I'm going to bring us kind of near the beginning of this section. Okay. I think it's near the beginning of this section. And this is a small detail about Cyanide and Alabaster's life on the island at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that is that 
when they're first there, for a little while, all of the kids just follow them around trying to say their language. <laughs> but they don't, they're just trying to make the sounds. Yeah. Is there anything more annoying than that? <laughs> <laughs> no, 100% not. I think it's this that leads Cyanite to just not be that into a kid. You know, she and Alabaster have that kid and she's like, she loves her kid and she says it, but she's not that into having a kid. She's kind of just, I guess. Right. Right. And this experience of having children follow me around and just like gargle nonsense at me. Always. Always. Seems like the worst. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, you find a moment of silence. You find a place that you can kind of hide from them. But you don't want to, you don't want to be like hiding from children because then you seem kind of childish, but you kind of find a little zone where they're not there. And you're like, finally, yes. All right, Alabaster, let's figure this. And then one of them peeks his head around the corner and goes, they're over here. And like a whole gaggle of children run up and you just think, God damn it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's got to be part of why she, again, like you said, she doesn't, I don't think she regrets having a kid or anything like that at this point. No. She She says she loves her kid. And I think we see sections where she's being, a good mom. So I'm not saying that she's not a good mom or anything, but you can kind of see that she wasn't, she wasn't hyped about having a kid. I don't think. No, I mean, which is perfectly fair because she didn't really choose to have a kid. Right. (laughs) Also, Luke, was she a good mom? (laughs) This is a, this is a serious question we need to kind of consider. Uh, We're talking about, we're talking about, cyanite and corundum because and the reason why i'm i think we need to ask this question is how corundum ends i mean for that ending i think there's an argument that she is a good mom okay because this is the argument that there are things worse than death okay yes definitely and i and it's implied that Corundum is going to become one of these node maintainers. Right. Which I'm going to say is worse than death. Yeah. I Okay. I will agree with you there. I think it is probably worse than death. However, her guardian is referring to Corundum as a replacement for Alabaster. Okay. And in that case, I mean... I don't think cyanite's life is worse than death. I would agree with that. So I guess it's just, it depends on whether we think that they were going to make Corundum into a node maintainer or not. Right. The other problem that I have with it is they weren't going to make him into a node maintainer immediately, right? I don't know. Like, the the... Guardian wasn't going to grab him and immediately transform him into a node maintainer. Right. So there's like still a chance that you could get away. That you could... I mean, sure, maybe it's a pretty slim chance. But, I mean, is it is that worth 
Isn't that worth not smothering your child to death? I don't know. <sighs> okay, yeah. This is also... <laughs> we jumped into a pretty dark topic very yeah. <laughs> quickly because Cyanite chooses it's better... Cyanite decides it's better that her baby die than be taking into, taken into custody by the fulcrum. And so she's like smothering her child as the guardian is reaching for her to take it, which is pretty fucking heavy yeah not not our usual not really in our normal wheelhouse for this podcast no and i i should say i i don't want to say i wasn't a i don't know surprise isn't the right word this this is very in the tone of this book this was not a surprising twist thing that happened but it was still kind of like sickening kind of just not just bad just a really bad thing that happened and you kind of forget that too like when they're on the island things seem pretty good yeah things seem pretty good like really good and you forget the part at the beginning when essence husband beats their child to death yeah i kind of had like forgotten that a little bit (laughs) that's true Here's okay, here's something that we're also forgetting. This life seems like a pretty good life, mm-hmm. right? And we're rooting for them. I I am. Yeah. Yeah. This whole community at least. Like this community seems super cool and everything. Yeah, I'm into it. They go out and murder a lot of people. Y- yes. <laughs> that's <laughs> That's fair. They're not they're not really good people. Well, I mean, they're they're folksy and have great culture on their island and share everything. And what's his name is a really cool dude. But they get everything by going out and murdering people. Well, and, and the other thing about it is the stuff that they were stealing wasn't the necessities. They're stealing fancy furniture and stonework and murdering people for that kind of stuff. Which is very piratey. Let's be real. Pirates did this all the time. Right. And I I do think they may have had to murder more people because Cyanite did the origin, like, used her powers to destroy one of the ships and if word got back to the mainland they might send people to go take her which happened anyway but i think that's why the captain was telling her to sink the other ship and kill everybody on board is so that there were no survivors to tell the tale i mean yes i don't I don't think that's an excuse. No, 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 no. I don't think it's an excuse either, but it might be kind of a different way that they had to do things than normal. Like, As in they normally don't kill very many people. Yeah, maybe. And and I think I'm just saying this because I want to like these people more. I don't want to have them be a bunch of murdering pirates. I mean, this would be like, this would be, there's people that go in and rob banks, right? They hold up the teller. And rob the bank. Yeah. And then they end up murdering everyone because something went wrong. It's like, yeah, but they don't normally murder everybody. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, no, this is a pretty good analogy, Luke. <laughs> the other thing is cyanite ends up going on this trip with them because, you know, she's super bored. She's been there for two years and they don't really do anything, which I get. I mean, yeah, kind of. But it's also, it's not like, I think we, I get stories where something like this is happening and the, whoever's person's point of view wants to go on a hunting trip with their father or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, let them, let them go hunting. That's nice. But, but they're going pirating <laughs> and end up killing a lot of people. So in the grand scheme of things, is it that bad of a thing? Maybe not considering the horrible things that this government, I guess, does. But I think it's just, it's it's not like cyanide and alabaster went to this utopia and are just living it up, picking off like farming and, you know, living a wholesome life. Right. Yeah, that, this is a good point. It's also interesting because cyanide feels terribly for the calm that was destroyed by the volcano that may or may not have been her fault. And like these people in the boats aren't a part of the fulcrum or anything. They're just people traveling around selling stuff. Yeah. So I I think the reason why she goes and fixes the volcano is because she feels super bad about it. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I don't remember if they have the conversation before or after this where Alabaster asks her if she's going to leave, I think it was before she goes on this raiding trip. But Alabaster seems like the kind of guy who's totally fine with all of this murder, and Cyanite seems like she's not okay with it. Yeah, I think this sets up the idea that they're not perfect people you know sure which is not i mean not surprising but i i I mean i think it's intentional that cyanite and alabaster are not necessarily super good people oh yeah yeah i mean i think we've seen that throughout the especially when we see it at the end when (laughs) the last line is alabaster telling her to make everything worse (laughs) okay we need since we're there is he telling her to crash the moon into the planet? I don't know. I <laughs> I the last line was super cool. But right. I have no idea what he was telling her to do. Have you I think he says have you ever heard of something called a moon? Right. And then it cuts off. So there's so there's currently no moon is what I'm taking that. So she can't she's not crashing a moon into them. Wait, there's no moon? If he's, if, okay, the line is, have you ever heard of something called a moon? Okay. Therefore, I'm going to say that there's no moon. Okay, sure. Let's, let's live in that world for a minute. Okay, there's no moon. So what is he telling her to do? Create a moon? (laughs) What? Like, like a big chunk of the world breaks off? (laughs) He's, he's, I don't know. He's telling her to break off a giant chunk of the world and form a moon. 
<laughs> I don't think, I don't know. I think the idea that there's no moon right now is solid evidence. Hmm. Unless there's just this, this thing that's essentially a moon, but they don't have a word for it. But I don't think that's realistic. See, I thought he was saying it as like a funny way, like a funny thing to say, like a sarcastic, oh. like, of course, she's heard of a moon, but that's a way of telling her what he's trying to do is, hey, you ever heard of a thing called a moon? <laughs> Check this out. I, <laughs> I, I get what you mean. I don't know if I believe that that was his tone. <laughs> well, sure. Maybe maybe he would have said it crunchier than I said it. You know, you would have heard a lot of the crunch because he right. was turning into a rock. But There's a lot in this that I didn't fully understand, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like what? So he's turning into a rock. I don't, I don't think we get why, but I'm assuming it has something to do with his relationship with the rock eater. I think that... Or stone or, eater, whatever we're calling it. Right. Or his relationship to the obelisks. Like, maybe it's the price you pay mm-hmm. to get the power of the obelisks. Maybe. And she's eating him? Yeah. I think his stone eater, which I also think the stone eaters are attached to one person. I think they each yeah, have their person. Like. Um, and, yeah, it sounds like she's eating him. And we also get this scene earlier with Hoa where in Hoa's bag is a bunch of rocks and he says this is me right doesn't really elaborate on that Ooh, interesting which I took to mean and and I think the, the context of this is that she's asking him how he managed to hide his stone eateriness mm-hmm. right because he looks more like a person than most of them do mm-hmm and in answer, he does this thing where he takes out these rocks and says, this is me. And then he like eats one of them. Mm-hmm. Which Some... I took to mean he's somehow he's storing part of himself into these rocks. Maybe. So like normal people become stone eaters and he has like reserved a part of his normal self in these rocks that he's able to maintain in some way. I wasn't necessarily thinking that people become stone eaters. Mm. I was more thinking stone eaters can become more human by putting some of their consciousness or something into rocks, Hmm. which sounds wild, but I don't know where else to take that. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that we're missing something obvious, but I don't think so, because there's a lot. This book ends with a lot of open threads. Yeah, but okay, but this leads me to, let's say that that's true, where Hoa can eat these rocks that he has stored himself in, Mm -hmm. and it regains more stone eateriness, Mm -hmm. let's say. Mm -hmm. This stone eater is eating alabaster. So is is alabaster going to become part of her? Right, so this is why, so my theory about it is that Somehow normal people can become stone eaters. Okay. And stone eaters like can eat each other. Like stone eater, because there's this really tense moment early on when Hoa meets this one of the other stone eaters 
And it seems to me like this alabaster is turning to stone, but is still able to move. So I kind of feel like they're cannibalistic in a way. And maybe, maybe Hoa, that's like his brother or something. Or it's like, I took the this is me to be like a part of his identity before he was a stone eater because it allows him to be less of a stone eater. If that makes sense, like it's a connection to him pre-transformation or something like that. Okay. Otherwise, I don't know how else they look. Like maybe those are stones from his childhood home. Sure. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Or something, I don't know, something related to that, that can kind of reverse the process that he's already gone through. But we have, we have nothing to base this on because there's like the next book, maybe it'll be kind of expanded upon, but it's not explained anywhere how these things work. If we're, if we're being dumb and there is an explanation in the first book, you know, give us a, give us a, a tweet or something or an email or or email, email us. We've never plugged our email before, have we? Nope. It's our email is dcbc at don'tcallitabookclub.com. <laughs> or if you just want to email me, dan at don'tcallitabookclub.com. <laughs> or luke at don'tcallitabookclub.com. Damn, I messed that up. Yeah. Luke at don'tcallitabookclub.com. That's if you want to. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> enough theorizing about that kind of stuff but yeah the stone eaters are weird for sure stone eaters are weird i have a question that i think i can see the perspective but i'm going to disagree with uh essen i don't so she's very uncomfortable and doesn't really at least it doesn't seem like she really likes hoa yeah i think hoa sounds awesome Okay. So my question was, how do you not like Hoa? Which, I get it. He's (laughs) not a human being. Yeah. And is really creepy. But I also think he sounds really dope. (laughs) Like how? Like he would be cool to have around just not really saying much and looking like a child? He's a, he's, I can't, I can't remember if maybe we get the perspective and Essen doesn't, but I know that Hoa likes Essen. Mm-hmm. He tells her that at one point. I think okay. she asks she asks him why he is with her and he tells her he likes her. I think it would be cool to have your own stone eater friend. I think it's very not cool because look what happened to Alabaster. Okay. Alabaster had his own stone eater friend and she decided it's a little too dangerous. It's a little too hot in here for Alabaster. Come on, you're coming with me. And Cyanite's yeah, left, but left on a rock in the middle of the ocean to fend off I, her guardian. I feel like she has a different style than Hoa does, though. But that's why it's terrifying, is we don't know what Hoa's style is. True. We have no idea. He tried to conceal the fact he was even a stone eater for a long time. What's Hoa getting at? I don't know. Ooh, hold on. But okay, the 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 I just think these these little scenes with him where he's kind of just 
I think there's one way to take his his demeanor as creepy, but I think it's really cool. I think it's like really, I don't know if intimidating is the right word, but okay, here it is. I think I think Hoa has swag. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's hilarious because I picture Hoa as Augustus Gloop, like a paler Augustus Gloop from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, because so he's really des- that guy. He, what, yeah, he's described as a kid, and I don't remember if he's described as being like round, but that's just how I picture him as like a, a round little guy, kind of <laughs> wandering around. And he oh, doesn't wow, we say have much. Very different views on this. Yeah, I don't think he's cool at all. I would have ditched this kid pretty quick. Oh, I think he sounds awesome. Okay. Can we talk about what I think the Stone Eaters' plan is? Now that I had yeah. a minute to to wonder. Okay. Okay, Luke. So all the Stone Eaters are finding origins that they can use or that they can team up with. They have their own origin. Right. It's like a dragon, dragon rider kind of situation. Yeah, but I don't think that's what it is, Luke. I think Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to the analogy that I'm thinking of. So what do the stone eaters eat? This is not a trick question. Stone. Yeah. And what are the origins really good at? Doing doing random stuff with stone. With stone. I think that the relationship with between stone eater and origin is not like dragon and dragon rider. I think it's like pig and truffle rustler. <laughs> truffle rustler yeah you know what a truffle rustler is give me a definition on that somebody who goes around the woods with a pig and rustles up some truffles (laughs) you know what truffles are right i still don't even know what this means okay all right luke let me let me walk you walk you through this if i want to find the most delicious best truffles i'm gonna get a pig and i'm gonna train it to sniff out truffles in the forest. Okay, you're talking about this is okay, this is another thing that's gonna show my ignorance. Like you remember when I didn't know how birds fly? Okay, yeah. I know there's truffle oil. Yeah. And I know that there's like chocolate truffles. Okay. I I when I was a child I had this confusion too. So I know I know that truffle oil's not from chocolate truffles. No. But I don't know what truffle oil's from. This is great. I'm about to educate you. Okay. Class is back in session. A truffle is a mushroom. It's a fungus. And you can't, they're not really grown commercially. You can't farm them really. They only come from people going out and digging them up in the forest. And they're super expensive. Like incredibly expensive. This is like a delicacy kind of food. And so how people do this is they train a pig to smell the truffles. Well, I think they use dogs now, but they used to use pigs. And then go out into the woods with this pig and have it dig up the truffles. And then you've got a delicious little snack. So now that you know what a truffle is, and now that you know how they find them, I think the stone eaters are truffle rustlers, and they found the best (laughs) pigs that they can find. (laughs) Okay. And I think this comes out 
there's a moment when Essen gets to that calm where all the origins are and there's the geode and the kind of leader of that calm turns to the stone eater and says, chill or I'll tell them what you're really here for, what your real plan right. is. Essen probably wouldn't take too kindly if she found out they were just using origins to sniff out the best rocks. Okay. Also, Alabaster's got a bunch of teeth marks on his arm. Maybe right. he was holding up a just delicious looking nugget or something. And the stone eater took a bit too big of a bite. <laughs> I I can see the argument for this. I think it would be okay, I think the most sinister argument is that the the stone eaters all they want to do the the thing that they want to eat the most it's like the the that good stone yeah is origins that have turned into stone <laughs> i see that's the that's the most sinister thing because i don't think the idea of them the origins growing stone or whatever is that bad yeah i mean no 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 they're not growing it they're finding it like they're just searching around for yeah they just get an origin and say all right find me this kind of rock and the origin cesses out into the mantle oh there's one over there yeah that doesn't seem that bad to me you're right but i mean they're basically being used for a more boring version of what the fulcrum had them doing and if they don't right but maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a symbiotic relationship like so so the stone eaters stone eaters can drag them down into the rock and travel anywhere yeah right that sounds nice I want to go. I want to go to to New Zealand in fifteen minutes. Yeah, but do you remember? I'll suss out some rocks for you. Do you remember the terrifying moment when Alabaster was being dragged into the earth? Against yeah, but his I will? feel like that was. I feel like that was terrifying because of the the context. Yeah, like they're not going to let you just decide when. It's not like the. Truffle rustler says to the pig, "Hey, you want to go truffle rustling?" No, the truffle rustler, the truffle rustler puts a leash on that pig and says, "We're going truffle rustling. Get in the truck." And then he says, "And after we go truff, truffle, I don't. After we go do whatever that thing is, you're gonna get some some nice treats." Yeah, that sounds super fun. I'd love that. I mean, okay, this is where the analogy breaks down, but. <laughs> Here's the other thing that you just brought up that I think changes this. So that changes the scenario. Okay. Because you said the more sinister thing is that they want to eat the origins. Mm-hmm. And that means <laughs> these pigs aren't being used for truffle rustling. They're being used <laughs> for fat back. <laughs> this is. Okay. If that's the case. Then the the I'm gonna I'm gonna let's say human stone, okay, is gotta be. I don't think it can only just taste really good for them. I think it's gotta be like a leveling up kind of move, you know, mm. because this lady's been working on alabaster for a really long time, and yeah. if that if that reward is just some really tasty meals, then. I don't know if I buy that. 
but I would buy it if it's like, what's the rare candy? Is that the leveling up thing in Pokemon? Oh, I don't, I don't know. If it, if if they're if they're, I think so, yeah. If they're making these origins, granted, we only have one example of this, and we don't even know the cause of it, so <laughs> this could all be a moot point. But I would imagine that there's some kind of exterior benefit other than just that it's a really good meal. Mm. Okay. 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 You want to hear a theory that I think might actually be real? Okay. So it's definitely Alabaster and his stone eater that caused this giant season to happen. This big fifth season. That's going to be the worst one basically ever. And they have a little conversation when this is happening. At the, like at the beginning of the book. The very beginning of the book. I think alabaster asked the stone eater if her kind are going to come up now if they're gonna like rule essentially Mm. so to me what that says is that the empire that has been controlling everything has some weapon to fight the stone eaters and they had to destroy that in order to create an opening for the stone eaters to come back and be around again. Okay. And I think it has something to do with the guardians and their secret little pit that they have because that was headquartered in the city that was just completely decimated. Mm-hmm. So now, now Dan's been shooting pretty good for this book. <laughs> Dan's going to make a prediction. Dan has had the feel of this book this whole time. Dan's, yeah, Dan's on a hot streak right now. Dan's feeling that the real conflict here is between the Guardians and the Stone Eaters. And they needed to kind of get rid of the Guardians for the Stone Eaters to either come back or do something. Okay, I can see it. And it's probably not something super great for people. But not super bad, because if the woman knows what the Stone Eaters are actually doing, then it can't be that bad. I assume so. Because if their plan is to kill everyone that isn't a Stone Eater, then this woman wouldn't be chill with her living in the Geode. Right. Yeah. Okay. I could see it a little bit. So. Can we talk about the Geode for a second since we're here? Yeah, yeah. This thing would suck to live in. Oh, for sure. So bad. I. This is something that I mentioned in the last episode. There's a, there's going to be a lot of callbacks to things that I mentioned in the last episode. Something I mentioned was there would be so many beautiful rock formations in this world mm-hmm. because of all the volcanic activity. And this geode would be so sweet to visit. It would be so cool to walk around in for a little bit, you know, to have... A little rock garden with Ooh. some cool crystals. Maybe charge like five bucks to hang out in the geode for a day. Have a picnic. Yeah. Super nice. But I wouldn't want to live. It's like I wouldn't want to live in Disneyland. Mm, yeah. You know, like it's never dark because the crystals glow. Yeah. So you're not, you have to put like blackout curtains in your house to get darkness. And even then, you live in a crystal that's glowing. So, good luck. 
<laughs> also, it's incredibly inconvenient to get anywhere you want to go. Yes. Because you have to follow these pathways that are connecting crystals together. And it's probably super dangerous. There's sharp spikes everywhere from these crystals growing she, out of the walls. I think she says that there's there's all these huge, very tall walkways. And there's guard railings that are, I think she says, that are not good enough. Yeah. Can you imagine a toddler in this place? Oh, good luck baby-proofing the geode. Right. You you think you think putting little little soft things on door hinges and stuff is is tough? <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I you're right. It would be very cool to visit, but I would have a hard time living there. I think you're right, especially when everyone's well. We're in the middle of a season and no one knows about it, so it's not going to be like a tourist trap or anything. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, and to be fair, the alternative to this is not good. This (laughs) is probably the best scenario, which Cyanite criticizes them a lot at first for living in this geode, which is, she calls it a dead sieve, like a dead sieve's colony yeah this thing sounds awesome oh it sounds like perfect for them yeah Yeah, this sounds like exactly what you need to survive this kind of a thing because there's no way you're surviving outside with roving bands of cannibal children (laughs) a little call back there yeah (laughs) there's a lot of cannibalism in this book actually yeah did you read the the appendix I skimmed it. Okay. I is think there something there in the appendix? One, there yeah. was one season that was even heavier on the uh, on the cannibalism. Was that the history. season of teeth? I think so. I thought that was the one that they mentioned before. Oh, they mentioned it in the book too. You're right. Yeah, I think that was the one that, I think it was Alabaster or, no, it was Tonky that mentioned I it. I think Alabaster tells tells cyanide this story that his guardian told him yes or i think he tells the the real story that's exactly what it was yeah Yeah. since we're talking about the appendix we've got a few corrections to make okay uh in we made some pretty bold claims about safe the last episode yeah that those are not true those wouldn't have worked safe safe doesn't indicate if there's a poison Safe just indicates if anything is in it. So if you if you tried to use it as an indicator oh, yeah. for poison, it would always indicate you've added something to it, but it wouldn't right. be able to tell you if it's poison or not. Right. So that, I think it says it's it says it indicates if there's something not it's not originally in safe. Yeah, exactly. So that one's on us. That oops. <laughs> You know, when you're when you're coming up with hot takes every week, sometimes you get a little too hot. Yeah. We got burned. We did. We were we were clearly some dumb nerds on that one. But we got to own it. Exactly. We got to own it. <laughs> I'm going to bring us back to the a few scenes at the uh island. I forget what the island's called. Cool. Yeah. And I we, 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 the same way we talked about Hoa, I had, you know, a picture in my mind of a certain character. You might have had a different picture. But there was 
a part here that I was surprised by because I had a picture of a certain character in mind that was flipped upside down. And that is, we learned that Alabaster is hot. I was also surprised by this. This was a this was a twist. This was a one eighty for me too. Yeah, because and we so we know that Alabaster is hot because Cyanide mentions that all the other women are jealous of her that she's sleeping right. with the two hottest guys on the island. Yeah, and that they're was... all pirates, so they're all pretty hot. They're all pretty fit, probably, and they've got the pirate just... swagger and Alabaster. Who I thought was just some kind of dorky, scrawny-looking like weird like a guy, gangly, malnourished, somewhat older, angry guy. Yeah, I didn't have. I, I don't have when I'm picturing characters. I don't have. He probably has a description of his facial characteristics. I don't really. I don't normally pay that close of attention, so I don't have like a specific face in mind. Mm-hmm. But I have an idea in mind. And the idea of Alabaster was not that he was hot. No. No. I also so then, did not think he was hot. Okay. Okay. Um, Staying on the island. Okay, yeah. I've, I've got a few more things with them, too. But go ahead. Uh, another surprise, but a pleasant surprise, is a giant pirate ship. Oh, yeah. Luke, yeah. last episode, I was hoping for a big pirate ship. Lo and behold, first chapter back. Giant pirate ship. Loving it. <laughs> I was loving it. Yeah, that was that was nice. It was kind of surprising that they just have one big pirate ship. Yeah, I don't think weird? there's that many people on this island, though. Okay, fair. I think there's probably 200 people is an overestimation. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Maybe, yeah. I could see it. Okay, fair enough. But okay, pirate ship. They're they're on this mission, right? And they there's there's one ship they're targeting, and there's a guard ship for it. Mm-hmm. And first thing is that there's some really cool uses of orogeny or wait, or orogeny, yeah, that I didn't think about at all. It was kind of cool. But cyanide raises this fog, essentially, just to make it confusing and so that the guard ship can't see them. And then they attack this other ship and then they just forget about the guard ship. Out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) They do this raid. Everything goes perfectly. And they've captured some people. They're, They're taking everything from the other ship into their ship. And then all of a sudden this guard ship comes out of nowhere and they're like, what? <laughs> you, you just, do they just forget about it? Or no. were they? I think, I think cyanide mentions that it was kind of reckless for the guard ship to try and follow them because they couldn't see anything. Right. And so this is what created the crisis where they were about to crash into everyone. Right. And so I don't think anyone expected the guard ship to actually try and navigate through the fog and help out. But, okay, I guess so. 
but that's like a pretty big assumption i'm with you on this one at least put one dude out looking yeah like one person and at least have the have the grace to not be surprised right like oh they were a little bolder than we thought not holy shit what is that (laughs) right yeah exactly yeah i don't know i don't know that's a small that's a small aside i was just kind of surprised by it one more one one last just just little thing on the island i'm curious as to what you so so we've get we get a lot of sight of cyanide and alabaster they have two very different ideas on the island cyanide love or sorry cyanide hates just sitting around not doing anything mm-hmm. alabaster loves it where where do you where do you fall on this mm. and okay the the real thing is I'm curious as to what people do on the island. Play with- and I like I know what I would I don't know specifically what I would be doing, but I kind of have an idea. Um mending fishing nets, maybe. <laughs> Play with kids. Hang out on the beach. Work out, maybe. I feel Wait so, a minute, okay. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Alabaster was super gangly and i think he started out super unattractive like we pictured him oh was alabaster getting jacked on this beach Ooh, maybe and that's why everyone's like damn alabaster <laughs> yeah he's like he's like using orogeny to create some dumbbells and like floats mm-hmm. them up to he's the got top a little obstacle course and while they're all raiding on their pirate ships alabaster is just getting shredded absolutely shredded on the beach for sure for sure Mm. yeah so this was basically my point i don't know if i would necessarily be just like exercising or something like that but i would be getting absolutely masterful at one thing i don't know what that thing is yet but (laughs) you got all the time in the world yeah but you're kind of limited luke so you could become a master at like walking on your hands. <laughs> That's something you could do. You couldn't really become a master at the well, I guess they do get a guitar at one point. Well, yeah, they they can rape people and get materials. Okay, this is not a bad point actually. You could become a master sculptor so easily. <sighs> is that that hard though using orogeny? Probably not. I was more thinking not without you. I was more thinking of a normal person. Okay, okay. So, like, what would you or I do on this island? Not right. what would alabaster right. or cyanide do? You could. So you you could. I don't know. We we don't really see much hand to hand combat in this. You could become a master swordsman, something like that. You could become a master sculptor. You could be. You know that there are some good recipes on this island. Because these guys have nothing to do except experiment with their different fish recipes. Well, and we already see the sculpture. You mentioned sculpture. There are like beautiful caves carved into this Mm -hmm. island. So people are, yeah, definitely doing this kind of stuff. Picture the sandcastles. Dude, the sandcastle competition here every year must be legendary. (laughs) It's got to be incredible. (laughs) If people right? knew of this place, there would be tourists coming from miles around to see these dope sandcastles. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's so true. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think what I would. Okay. So you asked me a question though. Would I be cyanide or would I be alabaster? Would I be staying? Mm-hmm. I think I would be alabaster. I think so too. I think I would be too. Because it sounds so nice. Mm-hmm. Like a little beach, little waves, just sitting, soaking in the rays. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a beach, right? But there's also there's also high points that you get even better views. Yes, and I mean those views are basically just of the ocean, right? Because they're so far away. Oh, I guess you can see the volcano on the horizon. Yeah, I think so. Also, the island is pretty big and is kind of mountainous. Mm-hmm. So that probably is good sights to see. Oh. Do you think they have any small animals that you could train on this island? I, I wouldn't. So I don't think there's there's mention of it, but I don't see why not. Again, well, they can. If there aren't, they could totally bring one. Right. Exactly. Because the I mean the concern with invasive species is that they kill native species but if there are no native species oh, bring whatever you want have monkeys on the island these yeah. are all of our pet monkeys that we've trained to do amazing tasks because we have so much time to spend with them yeah incredible <laughs> all right so you were talking about how cyanide uses orogeny to make this fog and to make this giant bedrock spear that's like stops this ship the guard ship what is orogeny and okay here's how i want to clarify this it's hard to ask this question about any magic system it's like asking it about harry potter right it's like being like what is magic in harry potter well i don't really know but you cast spells and things happen but orogeny is different because orogeny Seems like it has to do with the earth and with rocks. Right. But I don't... What is it? What can you do with orogeny? What's the like base thing that causes all these other things to happen? So I know that there's a definition in the uh, in the appendix. Yes, I read the definition. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's super detailed. No, it's not. And... I know it has to do, you know, there's there's parts with you need energy. Yes. And I think that there's a a mention of it's not just with rock. Mm-hmm. I think because it's... I think she well, I mean, I can't remember if the fog is just she's using orogeny on water or if she's heating the the No, she she that. is using her Taurus, I believe. She's re- like deforming her taurus to cool the water to cause fog to happen okay but alabaster uses it to get poison out of his body yeah okay so it's definitely not just rock and now maybe it's like minerals that you can manipulate because we all have iron in our blood so maybe she was so amazed because alabaster was using the iron in his blood to the poison out i kind of pictured that scene is almost he had such fine control that he could control the molecules oh so it's like basic level is you can stop earthquakes these big events from happening 
and like hyper advanced is down to the molecular level you can move stuff yeah yeah okay i i'm into that that makes it seem like they can essentially do anything yeah it it becomes telekinesis at that point but is i think it maybe it's just like you can move anything is that what it is that sounds right to me then and you have to like transfer kinetic energy from one place into another yeah i mean that sounds right to me yeah but if that's true alabaster would have no trouble killing anyone that's not a guardian right right which i mean i don't think he does yeah that's true oh that's dangerous (laughs) somebody should lock him up or something you know we should keep an eye on him maybe with with, like some some people specifically trained for that maybe they maybe they wear burgundy clothes or something like that yeah and they have cool like neck implants or something some some of them are shirtless Mm, we love that just the okay so i think there's different kinds of guardians Uh uh-huh we don't get details into much of it but the ones that can touch you and turn you into a puddle of nonsense are always shirtless yes i think you could do the same thing with short sleeves or maybe a tank top yeah like what are they well okay but okay i'm gonna go back on a tank top because that's not very business formal you can't wear a tank top to work true nobody's getting away with that true i think you just don't need gloves Mm, maybe but luke what if you're at the beach you see an origin and you walk over and say hey how's it going can you uh help me with some suntan lotion (laughs) Real quick. Here's, okay, here's what I was thinking. You want to be you want to be secretive about it. You're at the beach, and you're playing a little beach volleyball. You're on the same team as the Origin. Origin has a dope spike. Give him a little chest bump. Oh damn! All of a sudden, he explodes. You're like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you look at the other team like it was their fault. <laughs> This is the only use for the for the shirtless. This is the only reason that they're shirtless. Is beach activities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. That's fair. <laughs> also, not a good disguise. True. Nobody else is shirtless. We have we have not heard of anyone else being shirtless. Except old women at the beach in <laughs> Elias. Maybe maybe so they're just they're shirtless to distinguish themselves from the other uh mm. guardians maybe or maybe maybe you need a certain kind of personality to be this kind of guardian they've asked these guardians to wear shirts and all of them are like no dude <laughs> and this and they're like oh okay this is what makes you be one of the the Guys that can blow origins up. What are you gonna do? Make me wear a shirt? Try it, dude. <laughs> bro, are you serious? <laughs> I thought we were any, chill, bro. Yeah. <laughs> any guardian that has the bro mentality has this power. <laughs> or the the more broish you act, the more powerful powerful you are in this specific way of 
guardianness. These are the guardians that are always, always on the verge of ripping their shirt off. Somebody picks up, somebody says the word basketball and their shirt is off immediately and they're like, we're skins. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be it. Either that or the volleyball thing. <laughs> one of the two, one of the two. <laughs> okay. At the very end of this book, we're going we're gonna to finish with the end. This is the last thing I have. At the very end of this book, Alabaster has a an object that Cyanite is a little confused by, and she describes it as like a glass knife, but bigger. So Alabaster's got a sword, a big sword. And at the end of this book, he's basically turned into an anime character. Is that right? Uh, yes. I don't, well, I don't know wh- how, how many anime characters have stone arms and legs that have been bitten off. Okay, well, that's fair. Well, okay, there's Full Metal Alchemist. That's one. <laughs> okay. But also, he's carrying a giant sword around. A giant sword that I think is essentially made out of one of these obelisks. Yeah. It, it looks like a it looks like a giant gemstone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he's turned into an anime character. Okay. Sure. Traveling the countryside, righting wrongs, and fighting evil with his gigantic, unwieldy sword. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> it's kinda of, yeah, it's kinda of, That's it's all kinda I wanted cool. to say about that. Yeah. Fair just throw that out there at the end there's okay let's not talk about it but the freaking the moon quote we already what (laughs) i don't know i don't know and the thing about it that really gets me is that cyanite right before he says this is thinking he's not crazy rust it he's he's had a plan this whole time and then he says have you ever heard of something called a moon (laughs) What? I don't know. That sounds crazy to me. What do you mean he has a plan? It sounds like it sounds like he wants you to either crash the moon into the planet or make a moon. I yeah. That's crazy. What do you know I don't, Cyanite? <laughs> Just cuz he has a plan doesn't mean it's not insane. True. Okay. Okay. Let's let's finish up with our with our normal little thoughts on the book. We're not a we're not a review podcast, but we do these little guys at the end. So I'll I'll kind of start, but I might add stuff after you've said yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But so this book, super dark. And doesn't normally hit or doesn't hit what I normally view of my boxes as what I like in a fantasy book. You know, there's there's not really any fighting and that kind of thing. There's 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 cool magic, which I like, but it doesn't it's it doesn't it's not what I normally think of as like my favorite fantasy novels. With that being said, I really enjoyed it. Partly because of the I think this is really good this book is really good with emotions. And it doesn't it's 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 not a book that just comes out and says this person was feeling this and like a book can be good with emotions and do that. And just, it, you know, 
has realistic emotions or something. This doesn't really do that. It makes you get that get that view of that person, which I think is really cool. Um, this the story I'm very intrigued by. I a little confused by it as we've as we've said. I might, you know, I might finish up the story on my own. <laughs> uh, excuse me, <laughs> Luke. We have people counting on us. We'll, we'll we'll come back to it. We'll circle back. Luke's gonna do what he always does and read the book ahead of us, and then I'm <laughs> gonna be here coming up with ridiculous predictions, and Luke's gonna say, "Oh, okay, sure, maybe." <laughs> Great, you got my voice down, but um. So okay, yeah, I'll I'll have more. I can probably have okay. more to say after so, you go. But. Yeah, I also love this book. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really compelling. Uh, I was I was like excited to read after we had finished. Every time we finish recording, I'm excited to like start reading again that night so I can keep going with the story. And the reason why I think it was super cool is it twisted a lot of sci-fi and fantasy in a way that you could get more interesting things out of it so like the world building was a super cool because it had to do with all this interesting geological activity that was going on and i have not read a fantasy book that's like that and so all of the cool world building elements were related to this one fundamental principle about the world that i thought was super cool the geode, sure, we dunked on it a little bit. I still thought it was a super cool idea. <laughs> I was really into it. Um, and I think this, but this also has to do with what you were saying with the emotions. And what I thought was really interesting is how many different levels there were to the emotions in this book. So the positions that these characters are placed in are positions that not many, we don't get the perspective of many people like the people in this book where they are being oppressed by a giant government that's forcing them with the case of alabaster and cyanite this government is forcing them to have sex with each other and they both hate it but it's not like neither of them are assaulting each other like neither of them want to have sex they're not consenting to it but they have to there's they both have to do it and so that kind of a complex situation that you've created is super interesting to think about first off and then to explore with how these characters feel about being in this situation with each other and how that affects how they feel about each other and the world at large so like the world was twisted in a really interesting way and i think that made how we look at the characters be very interesting and give us a whole new way of looking at characters in this kind of a position which i was super into yeah i I think this, to, to kind of add to that, I think that most of these circumstances and characters are not relatable for me at all. Like, I don't relate to to this at all. But because of the way that it was written, I was able to kind of understand, I mean, I don't know if understand is the right word, but but f- like feel their emotions. Yeah, you're like, sim- you, could, you could was- sympathize with these characters very easily. Even though I had like I have no basis for <laughs> anything that they're going through, right? Like Luke and I do not have a history of oppression in our past, right? right. Okay, one one thing that I wanted to add is there's I don't you I don't normally read acknowledgments, read the acknowledgments in this book. Did you know 
that there's a NASA-funded project called Launchpad. So I also don't normally read the acknowledgments, Luke. I read the acknowledgments in this book. Wasn't that... I thought that was so cool. Yeah, it's incredible. How the whole book started with the last line. Which, to be (laughs) fair... Come on, that didn't even make sense. (laughs) But... What? (laughs) What are you talking about? Oh, in the acknowledgments, she, she says that she was inspired to write the book based on, like, the moon stuff. Oh, okay, okay, okay. At the NASA... Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, never mind. I I was... <laughs> I was just saying specifically that uh, it's super cool that, like, NASA has a thing that they get... I, I'm going to use the term influencers, but that's probably not the right term, to be educated on this kind of thing so that they can kind of include that in their stories or whatever they're doing mm-hmm. to raise the education level of the people that are consuming that. I didn't know that. I, was, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. I thought that was cool too. Way to go, NASA. <laughs> okay. Do we want to, do we want to tell, are we, are we ready to tell the next book? Oh, I, I think we're ready. All right. I think our listeners are ready. So the next book is The Three-Body Problem by, hang on, Liu Sushin. Yes. Did I get that right, Dan? Liu Sushin. So get excited. This this is the winner of, I think, the 2015 Hugo Award. Sure. One of the Sounds recently, right. 2015 or 2016 Hugo Award winner. A lot of my friends have recommended it to me over the years. It's time to get to it. So we'll probably be reading a third of that for the next. If it's really long, which we probably should have looked up before this, we might be reading quarters. <laughs> Stay tuned. But at the you know at the beginning of the episode, we'll tell you. We'll tell you where we're at. So yeah, next week, get ready for hot takes. And us acting like dumb nerds. 